This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. I'm Jared Stern. I think people should listen because we're desperate for attention right now. (laughs) I'm also Jared Stern. This is what I like to call an exercise in benign narcissism. And you're Between Two Sterns. It's been a little bit since last we uh, spoke to the listeners who are listening. And uh, if you listened to the last episode, I think you probably have an idea why we've been off for a little bit. Um, So uh, when when last we spoke, um, I talked about uh, my dad and I hadn't really addressed anything up until that point but he was at the time um dealing with stage four pancreatic cancer and i i remember saying when i was talking about it that i had to keep myself from fast forwarding to the worst possible outcome um but uh time did that for me uh i believe that episode was posted on september 15th uh we had him for 11 more days um so yeah uh basically all of September was spent either in a hospital room or with him home uh, or uh, hospice, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he uh, and then he passed on the twenty sixth. Um, man, it's. I, I don't know when you when you guys lost Caitlin where where were you when that happened emotionally or physically physically I was living about a mile away from my parents with my fiance down the road because we had moved back in to help with Caitlin but then we moved into our own place but close enough that we could get back and forth sure So I was about a mile away from them down the road in like Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Um, so in the, so I I don't know how to, how to timeline this. So when, when we recorded the, when we recorded the episode, basically, you know, things were, he'd be, he was diagnosed in July uh july 28th uh and i know it's the 28th because that's exactly in it exactly two months from that was when we had the funeral and so we were just we got a, a treatment plan in place 
ready. We had, you know, the doctors said that it wasn't, uh, you know, there was a, a plan. It was a plan of action and there, there wasn't, there wasn't no hope. There was some hope. Maybe there was a, a, a chemo plan in place. And then, uh, and this was all, by the way, um, while I had COVID. Yeah. That was to me the the hardest part of listening to everything that was going down with you was that because you had COVID while it was happening, that those first like week I believe it was you couldn't visit him or see yeah. him. Oh yeah. yeah, and 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 things things got. I mean, he he had a stroke mm-hmm. uh, after the after we got the after we got the plan. You know, he 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 had a mild stroke. Thankfully, it was mild, and he had to recover from that. And so he was in a rehab for like a week and a half. And while all this was happening, I was on the shelf. And thank goodness, my sister, uh, Lauren, who flew in from Israel uh, yeah. to to kind of be there uh, to to help to help them and and uh, and and help my mom. And uh, and then I finally tested tested negative, and I was able to get off the shelf and his birthday was august 29th he was home and we had a birthday with him at home and then I, lauren went home and then i tagged in and uh and then he developed um he developed some kind of infection in his uh, in his stomach where he so he couldn't like he had no appetite. Um, and so he had to go back to the hospital to clear that out. And while all this was happening between the recovery from the stroke and trying to clear out this infection. Cancer was not taking time off. And so while he was getting weaker. And he wasn't strong enough to fight anything because he couldn't eat. And uh, basically every day was uh, spent going to and from the hospital, uh, dealing with the worst possible uh, fucking news uh, at every turn, having to, and I had to, I had to worry about two people. I had to worry about him and I had to worry about my mom. Yeah. So this, like, when we recorded, I think it was like one of the one, like one day where it just seemed like there was an equilibrium of some kind. And so that's, and I'm glad we found that window or else we wouldn't, it would have been, it would have been, you know, yeah. who knows when it was. Yeah. Uh, so he came, uh, we uh, took him home uh for uh, essentially hospice care we had uh nurses there uh 24 7 angels on earth these people yeah. um just yeah. tending to his um tending what he needed and uh this was around this this happened so uh, they had that uh, jewish high holidays were going on um and he just he just just every day was a little bit worse until finally he wasn't able to really 
you know, say anything. His eyes were eyes were closed, and but but the last thing he said to me, he. the last kind of comprehensible words you could say is I love you too so so that was good but then so my birthday was on the 24th. And uh, uh, Lauren and I spent that day saying goodbye to him. Thanking him for uh, for everything because I owe him everything. And then on Monday, on his last day, I uh, I made the decision to be there with him until he passed. Because I feel like I owe that to him. So. So the reason why I ask where you were. Not that it's a fucking competition or anything. But I was in the room when he died. I, uh, I did not understand your question when you asked where I was mainly because I move so much and so sure. frequently. The six of us were in the room next to Caitlin's bed when Caitlin okay. passed away. Um, it was my mom and my dad, me, my sister Ashley, my brother Connor, and my ex-wife, my fiance at the time. We also made the decision to be in the room. Um, there was a little bit of a split at that point. My sister and I both would have stayed through her passing. Um, but it was a little difficult for my brother, who was a little bit younger at that time. Sure. And also my ex-wife, it was very overwhelming for her. And, and something that my sister and I discussed and came to the conclusion of was, it's not just about us, it's about my parents. And we could be 22, 30, 40, or 60. We will always be their children. We will always be their kids. And if we were in the room while Caitlin was passing, they would not be able to focus on Caitlin. Mm -hmm. They would have at least some aspect on us making sure we were okay. And that was not the experience that we felt that they should have with her. So on that day, um, it actually wasn't. And I, I, I explained this to you because cancer is such a disgusting disease that 
it wasn't actually the cancer that killed Caitlin, it was the cure. So early on into the process, the best version of stopping stage three, I believe she had stage three or stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer was a particular treatment, mm-hmm. but that treatment destroyed her lungs, absolutely destroyed her lungs. So her lungs had collapsed and failed the day mm-hmm. before. And so we knew it was going to be that day. And so we watched, what the hell did we watch? We watched some Hallmark movie that I can't remember. We watched Bring It On to Bring It On More, whatever the tagline is. And we watched mm-hmm. Frozen and Caitlin passed. She started going into the kind of the convulsions that one goes into as they're sure. passing. Uh, during the song, Let It Go in no. Frozen, Great. which is why it's, almost impossible for me to ever watch this movie again yeah um but at that point the four of us left the room and went down to like actually because it was a quarantine area it was like the main room and then there was like a little like um not detox but like cleansing room and we kind of broke down in there as it was going down and then we went down the hallway and about 10 minutes later uh we went back into the room but i will say the same thing i remember talking to my sister about and talking to my ex about and talking to Connor about, which is there's never going to be a point years from now that you look back and regret. No, I know being in that room. I know. I know it's It's overwhelming and it's an impossible situation. It's a possible thing to go through, but you would not have the same sense of closure. No, of course not. No, no, no. And I, I I don't regret. Good. I don't regret it at all. Good. I don't. It's just, I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have the luxury of treatment, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. He was, he was never strong enough for the chemo to begin with. Um, that was the whole thing. We were trying to get him strong enough to, to start treatment and that just never fucking happened. And uh, yeah, it's, it was, it was. It's an impossible situation to have to go through. Yeah. It, I just, it's, you know, the whole the the worst part was just just watching him suffer. Yeah, because he he was. I mean, they had that the the nurse lady there, um, and you know uh, they they were giving him like morphine every other hour or whatever, and uh, but he uh, or and it got to like. On on Monday, like the last like the last day he was able to like say anything was Sunday. Yeah. No, well, well, like Saturday or whatever. Sunday he was mostly eyes closed, but on Monday his eyes were open. There's nothing fucking behind him. Yeah. And it's just watching him take every shallow breath. And I said to the I said to the nurse, I was like, when it gets to this point, how long in your experience does it normally take? And she said, you know, it could be 24, 48 hours. 
there's no fucking way. There just isn't. And that was at like noon on Monday. And then and he uh he passed around like five. Man. And uh and my sister who was there, you know, she's she's Orthodox Jewish. So there were a lot of, you know, she did a whatever yeah. the prayers you're supposed to do, but there is a a practice in, in Judaism that you're not supposed to leave a body by itself. Yeah. It's uh, something called the uh, the shomer. There's, there needs to be a shomer there. I don't ask me what it means, but that's what it's called. And so, after it happened, we were, you know, my mom and I were uh, just in in the living room. And we're like, "Where's Lauren?" And she goes, "He's she's with dad." And and you know, because you're not supposed to, you know, someone's got to be there. And I was like, "Well." So I tagged, I tagged back in and and sat with him. Oh, and the other thing. So he passed on Monday, and we find out that the funeral is on Wednesday because Jews do not waste time. No, they. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So I had to. You know, you talked it. You know, I, 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 must have, I must have written the eulogy in my head fifty fucking times leading up to this, and then it happened, and then I was like, well, I guess I got to write stuff down now. So putting that together was, yeah. Um. So, so this was this. This was, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do this. And I don't know if we're even going to fucking use this. I personally think we should. I don't think there's any shame or embarrassment that comes from sharing this with people. I know. I know. And man, it was just... I remember when this first happened and I told you that there are multiple paths in front of you right now. There's Uh the worst case scenario and there's the best case scenario. None of them are great, but two things that are going to occur for you. Mm -hmm. One is that you are going to find an inner strength that you did not know that you had and being able to speak through that eulogy, being able to sit by his side, even being able to talk about it right now on this podcast is a demonstration of that strength that I knew that you had, that you now know that you had. The other one is that you're going to be changed forever from this moment. But what I will share with you is this. I have gone through a lot of tragedy in my life. I have experienced a lot of loss and a lot of death. The way that I have gotten through it is an understanding And with all due respect to those who listen to this, who might be religious or even your sister who is Jewish Orthodox. Philosophy that I've always lived my life by is that everything that has happened has happened and cannot happen any differently. 
That is cold, hard truth. When Caitlin passed, I went backwards and I said, we got four years that we never should have gotten out of Caitlin because some random doctor tested one random thing and saw that she had that cancer. We never would have known if she would have died six months later. We never would have known. Mm-hmm. And we had ups and downs with it. Your dad had a very similar experience where he never knew that this sickness was there. And it could have been that two months went by and something happened and you didn't have the ability to kind of process along the way. It's terrible that he went. But your dad loved you. Yeah. Your dad adored you. I've met your dad a number of times. I know your relationship with him. Not only did he love you, he found you hilarious. He was your biggest supporter. He was your biggest fan. You do not have to look back on the life that you spent with that man and question even for a second whether or not he loved you, cared about you, respected you. You are who you are because of that man. And whether it was a year ago, two months ago when you found out, or the day before he passed while you were sitting there holding his hand, that man loved you and cared about you. So hold on to that for the rest of your life and know that you got 45 years with a father who adored you, who loved you. And I'm telling you right now, when you texted me and told me how sick he was, I knew that the last thing that that man was going to do before he passed was make sure that he did not go on your birthday. Yeah. Because we were down to the wire at that point. And I'm telling you right now, the blank behind his eyes was because he made a decision that he was not going to go on your birthday. That was not what your birthday was going to be for the rest of your life. That was his final gift to you, was that he held out as long as he possibly could. I am so unbelievably sorry. I am so unbelievably sorry that all of this happened. But always remember how much that man cared about you and how much he loves you. Do your best to hold on to the good moments because it's very, 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 very easy to get angry at the time that we don't get with people. What is hard is to appreciate every moment that we did get with people. Yeah. And that's, I mean, one of the things that I am, uh, um, you know, thankful for, I mean, I'm not thankful for any of this shit, but you know, uh, in the last, in the last couple of years and, you know, with everything going on. And so, you know, I, especially after, since, since Lauren left, um, I've been kind of their, yeah. their family, yeah. uh, in town. And so I've been, I spent, I've spent a ton of time with, with them and I've been a lot more, you know, intentional about telling them how much, you know, I appreciate yeah. what they've done and how, you know, and how much I, uh, how much I love them. And so I don't, you know, nothing went unsaid. Yeah. So it's, it's just, oh, it's happened so fucking quick. It happened so quick. And Two yet, months. And yet here's the other thing. This is why I say everything that has happened has happened. I remember doing this with Caitlin. I remember doing this. Remember last year when Penny died, like out of nowhere, Yeah. like I was cooking eggs one morning and she had a seizure and died. 
the way I rationalized that in my head was, let's say Penny was going to die. Let's say there's absolutely nothing I could possibly do to stop Penny from dying. Would I have wanted her to go quickly within a matter of 30 seconds? Or would I want it to have been spread out over months? And the fact is that it is terrible, terrible what happened. But a late diagnosis for stage four pancreatic cancer could have been weeks. Yeah. And the two months that you got, you know. Well, here, here's the thing. The reason why it, it, it took it, it it took two months is because he was so fucking healthy beforehand. Right. It's absurd. It's absurd. Because I've met him. He was a healthy dude. Yeah. This is a healthy guy. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. that's, and that's, uh, man. So, uh, I, I, and I, I said this, I said this during the eulogy. I'll, I'll say it here. I mean, there, I'm, I'm glad that he got, you know, just, he got to, to do all the things that he loved to do one last time he got i mean he he took one last trip with my mom and yeah. saw the grandkids he saw and uh, saw the grandkids in israel he got to we went skiing last winter got a chance to do that he golfed one last time he got some carvel ice cream cake for his birthday So I mean, um, I'm I'm glad that you know he 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 got a chance to check those boxes. It's just it's just so fucking cruel. It really is. I mean, it's, it seemed it just seems so unnecessarily cruel. Yeah. Just seeing him just disintegrate like that. Every day, every day was a little worse. And he even said that, you know, when when he was in the hospital and we were, you know, trying to figure out what to, what to do, you know? Yeah. It's so difficult to rationalize, you know, they're obviously not identical, but like Caitlin had never put a, a poisonous thing in her body. This girl's never had a cigarette, never drank a drip of alcohol. Like, sure nothing and and you sit there and go how when when so many people abuse their bodies in such absurd ways that just are fine yeah and it's just it, it it reinforces the concept that you know life is just not fair it's nope. just not and that's okay as long as you understand that the rules are rigged against you and life is not fair you can rationalize the rest of your existence, but there is a cruel reality to the fact that some things are just random and some things are just not fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, that's why we've been gone. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not only that, I also had COVID again. Oh yes. That, yeah, that, that too. I guess we would have tried this sooner. But. Which apparently I'm very susceptible to COVID. I am as vaccinated as a human body can be at this point, and yet still this thing knocked me on my ass. It was awful. So, <sighs> yeah. 
I think so, we're going to keep this episode a little bit short and I think yeah. we're going to end it here, but here's what I, <laughs> how I would like to end it. If I may. Sure. I would like you to end the podcast by telling the audience your dad's favorite joke that you did. Oh, geez. Uh, huh. That's a good question. I don't know what his favorite joke was. And uh, no, <laughs> you don't have to do the joke, but that's I'm sure you know what I'll share with you guys. What I uh, what I played for him. On, there you uh, go. On his last day. One of the uh, one of the comedians that uh, they had me listen to when I was uh, when I was a kid uh, was uh, Father Guido Sarducci. You know who that is? I don't. I don't. He's a character who was on Saturday Night Live uh, back okay. in the seventies. Uh, actor's name is Don Novello, and okay. uh, he had a character called Father Guido Sarducci, and he did. He had a, an album called Breakfast in Heaven, and uh, and then he talks about he has a he has a dream that that he's he's in heaven and uh and he's being shown around and he uh, gets taken to this uh this this cafe with a rolling green grass on top of clouds he puts in his order he says uh, uh, you know the the waiter comes by and he puts in he puts in his order he says i you know I'd like you know i like it's uh some uh some bacon eggs uh nice piece of toast orange juice uh, and a cappuccino and the waiter looks at his watch says i'm sorry sir it's after 11 there's no breakfast in heaven after 11 <laughs> it's like the psalm says it is on earth as it is in heaven <laughs> no breakfast after 11 here no breakfast after 11 there there's no justice no place So we got one less listener now. <laughs> but but I have streaming up there. So so if you are listening, thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm going to miss you every day. Was he uh was he a music guy? What was his favorite song? Uh, you like Motown.